I hereby introduce to you Mr. Michael Veazey. Uh, and that sort of touches on one of the, I mean, first of all, I, I love the fact that you're being driven by results and also problems. So the results that are good and the results that are bad and, and adjusting accordingly. But that kind of reminds me of the Tim Ferriss approach with the four hour work week. And I'm sure he's not the first person to think of it or say it, but he's one of the people who made it famous is getting your outsourcers to outsource the SOP. So in other words, they co-create with you the SOP. So part of their job is to create their job description, if you like. And obviously, you can't just leave them on their own to do that. But I found that with uh, a couple of guys that I've used extremely effective because I say, right, here's my rough outline. And sometimes if somebody's intelligent, I'll say, here's a rough outline of what you want to do. Um, I'll give you an example with the amazing FBA business. I mean, I, it's now becoming more of a business rather than just a sort of thing that I did because I sensed it was good, you know, which is a bit random. But um, and as I got more business-like, I thought, well, I need to outsource some of this stuff because I want to scale up. And I outsourced the audio editing and video editing and whatever, and that worked very well. And I came back to the same guy. I said, right, can you start creating blog posts for me? Just do one, and I will correct course as we went. So I gave him almost no guidance. He came up with something quite good. Then I said, okay, here's an example of what I would have done with this. Let's compare it with that. And then that, that gives you an example, a template to work on. Here's a few guidelines. And we developed as we went. And actually, that was way quicker than me nailing it down in stone and then eventually i did put down a pretty standardized procedure but that means if you know if he disappears and i have to find somebody else then at least it's a standardized way of doing it now but it kind of was co-created with him yeah I, I used to say i do the same thing i have an awesome a team i have a 20 person internal team and it's very a lot of business owners make the mistake because they'll look at their team members that they're like talking down to them they're like you do this you follow this instruction like here's the task do it send it back to me whereas in my 20 person team we're all on the same side here we're all working to build something great when you come up with an idea i want to hear it when we're building a new process let's work together on it let's you do something i'll contribute something let's really work on finalizing it and their response responsible for their own team. Like you said, they're creating those SOPs when the time comes. So I'll review it, I'll contribute to it, but they're responsible for it. And it protects you as a business owner. If they walk out the door, yes, it's still a hassle. People quitting is always a hassle, but at least those SOPs are there and, and I have a base to go on rather than just having them walk out the door with all the information in their head. Absolutely. I mean, I think that so many businesses, sometimes quite established businesses, are incredibly vulnerable to, as you say, somebody walking out the door with all the business in their head. And and there's that balance to be struck, isn't there, between being really anal and getting everything down on paper, which I think, personally, I don't want to hire somebody if I have to spell everything out to them to that extent, they're going to drive me nuts anyway. But, you know, different people vary with that. But also, yeah, the opposite extreme, where somebody just walks out of the door because you've relied on them so much. And, and again, the e-myth talks about this. There's a story of somebody who's running a cake business and a grand mother comes and helps her or something like that. I can't remember the detail. And, and it's amazing. And then one day that person just quits because they just can't do it. No, it's not a grandma. It's some assistant, but they are fantastic. The whole business is great. They come to rely on them. They, they take their off the ball and then they quit. So <laughs> suddenly it's a very common mistake. A lot of business owners make it or they'll yeah. hire one person and teach them to do everything instead of dividing and conquering into different aspects of their business. Yeah. And besides which, you know, if you make somebody the Uber assistant of everything, they're going to be the jack of all trades, which is useful uh, when you start, but they're going to be the master of none, which is not a good place to be when you're expanding really, is it, I guess? Exactly. It's much better to specialize. Um, I mean, my 20 person team is between the bookkeeping and the marketing and the graphic design and everyone has their role and they work together. And if someone quits, you replace one person, that team, but you're not spending six months training someone from scratch to do everything.
Absolutely. So dividing Cochrane, I think. So would you say that's a, a practical thing for people to do from fairly early on? Would you say what, what's this kind of first hire? Would you just hire a general assistant and get them up to full time before you then gradually start splitting out tasks? Or would you sort of split things up by specialism from the beginning? Depends on the business, depends on where you are, depends on how fast you're growing. Um, I tend to hire a bunch of part-time people and increase their hours and, and make them prove it, prove to me that they can handle it. Um, I very rarely just hire someone full-time and be like, all right, you're good to go. Um, I need to see a little bit there. But there's also some risk there because if you hire someone part-time and this has happened and they're really good and by the time you want to hire them full-time, they might have another part-time job. Um, so it really depends on what the job is. I know bookkeeping for me was incredibly important because although I know accounting, it's not something that I actually want to do on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, so when I hired someone and, and he had that potential to be really good, I took that risk and I was like, all right, you're, you're starting full time, which is something that I don't always do. And it ended up working really well. And he's one of the best workers I've worked with for two years. He builds what he doesn't just do, which is incredible. Um, and if I'd only hired him part time, I might've missed out on that. But I also have other assistants that are monitoring my email or doing tasks that maybe it doesn't take me that long to train them on. And I kind of start them slow and slowly grow up. Makes a lot of sense. And I have to say that bookkeeping, I'm, I'm nodding like crazy here because um, talking, I'm a member of a mastermind with sort of Amazon peers that, that are selling on Amazon and have been doing for quite a while. And some of them are doing really well, some, you know, doing quite well, and, and they're all quite ambitious. And like one of the things I remember several meetings where we just like everyone was just one guy literally had a nosebleed having tried to deal with his account since 4am. And we're having a meeting about 4pm in the afternoon and accounts is one of those things that I would so encourage anyone to outsource as early as you you can afford to because I wish I had earlier. I, I got an accountant on board who, you know, he's also got an MBA and is a specialist. And she advised me how to set stuff up, which was great. And I'm glad I did that. But then because I would have set up a bunch of horrible things that would have been a nightmare. But unfortunately, then I was the person in charge of doing my bookkeeping and I'd, I'd outsource it to an idiot, i.e. me. I just could not get that to work. And other people just find that side uh, pretty straightforward because it's not that hard in theory. Um, and a lot of entrepreneurs are, are great at creating things, but they're just not good at meticulously following systems. So I'm the same um, way. <laughs> that's so me. So I'm like, really, I can be meticulous about certain things. Like if I'm writing a sales letter, I'll take great care of the language. But for some reason with bookkeeping, I mean, yes, I, I would encourage anyone out there if you're bleeding, you know, with bookkeeping for God's sake, outsource it because there's a ton of competent people. You've got to find the right people. But yeah, get it done because you will have hours of your life back. I'm so happy now I've outsourced that. There are people that love bookkeeping, that love QuickBooks, and it's definitely not me. So find those people. We have a great selection at FreeUp. Um, we do it for a lot of clients. That, I mean, I wish that I spent years with my business partner, Connor, reading through credit card statements that were this thick. I would sit in a chair, read it off to him. He would enter it in the computer for hours. I must have spent hundreds of hours doing that. And I wish that someone came up to me and would be like, Hey, I knew this really good um, bookkeeper. He will just do it all for you. And that would just help me advance my business beyond what I could imagine. I, I could not agree more. I mean, amen to that. As they say, I, I also wish that I'd done that. So now let's get to uh, another issue then, which a lot of people think about with outsourcing. So that when it comes to money, particularly out, um, outsourcing bookkeeping and stuff, there's obviously a trust issue, which obviously is something important. We can't just, everyone has this nightmare of I outsource my bookkeeping to the Philippines or somewhere that, you know, feels very, very alien as a culture or as a long physical way away. And then suddenly, you know, I, I look at my bank statement and somebody's bought a Porsche in, in Shanghai or something. I mean, I guess this is the nightmare scenario that we have. How do you respond to that? I mean, are there certain things you shouldn't outsource overseas at all? Or would you say there are other nuances? 
So, so my assistants have access to all my personal and business accounts, all of them. I have a very high level of trust. My way of looking at it is there's always going to be risk. There's nothing I can do to make the risk zero. Even if you hire your best friend to sit right next to you every day, there's always a chance that they make a bad decision. I've been doing this for eight plus years on Amazon. I've never had one serious issue. I have had people um, make fraudulent credit card purchases and I've actually had my identity stolen. Nothing to do with my outsourced workers. Um, but I've gotten all the money back. I fixed it. Most of the credit cards nowadays protect you and stuff like that. Um, and I've never had an issue with actual workers. And then three plus years at FreeUp, we built thousands of hours every week. Never really had an issue. It's really hard to get into the FreeUp network. Once they're in and they're pre-vetted, um, they care a lot more about staying in our network work and following our policies and getting jobs and providing for their family than they do about stealing your information. So that's kind of, I've never had an issue with it. I encourage people to be a little bit more open-minded. I kind of had the mentality that everyone was trying to steal my business and my ideas and my bank info. It's usually not the case. Um, you should be smart. You should slowly give people access, make them earn trust, do your background check if you're not hiring from free up and stuff like that. Um, but at the same time, 99% of the time, people are more interested in working for you and helping you than they are hurting you. Yeah, that's a really, thank you very, very much for those reassuring words. It's very, very good to hear. Obviously, you know, having run an outsourcing company for several years, you're in a fantastic position to know uh, from experience rather than just kind of guesswork. And I think it's one of those typical newbie questions, which is a very reasonable one. It's like about risk and calculating risk. You know, people are afraid of ordering stuff from China in case they get defrauded. And yeah, Alibaba did in the, about 2009, I think they fired their CFO, their chief finance officer, and maybe even their CEO over fraud. But I mean, the, the level of fraud now there, if you're kind of slightly sensible, is so low. I mean, I've been defrauded uh, a couple of times in my life, but both times by people in London where I live. And uh, one was some guy who had actually a website and just completely ripped me off with a fake investment that just didn't exist because I was stupid enough to buy off the phone over somebody I had no idea who they were. And the other time somebody just nicked my letters from my and, and then managed to hack into my uh, phone account. Absolutely nothing to do with anybody abroad or anything mystical <laughs> whatsoever. So that that's just my personal experience that I've never had a problem with somebody in another country ever. It's all okay. been good old British people ripping me off. <laughs> And even those situations, like your life wasn't over, you got back on your feet, you continued to grow your business, you learned from the mistake. Like for the most part, you don't just wake up and all your bank accounts are at zero and you're homeless. Like you you might lose a little bit of money um, and you learn from it and usually you don't. I mean, that was probably, I can't speak for that situation, but I mean, I've had lots of investments that seem too good to be true that I shied away from, but that's a little bit different than hiring someone to run your books because the alternative is you do it yourself and you're never going to grow your business because you spend all your time in, inside your books. Yeah, and I think that touches on a really, really fundamental issue, which is you can't grow and you can't even start a business without a certain degree of risk. And therefore, the other side of that is a certain degree of <clears throat> a mixture of knowing what you should be looking for, which is why we're interviewing an expert like yourself, which is really helpful. And the other thing is then a degree of trust when you've done your due diligence and you've done the common sense and you've assured yourself, insured yourself against the obvious risk. It's just like you've got to have a degree of trust and that enables you to then expand beyond anything <coughs> you could possibly achieve if you just sit there not trusting anyone and just keeping it all to yourself. Exactly. You got to go in that you trust everyone. And if they break your trust, then they take it away. You can't go into it. I don't trust anyone. And I'm not going to give people access until they go above and beyond and they work for me for five years and then they get my bank information. Business doesn't work that way. When I hire someone for my internal team that I think is going to be really good, I, I trust them. And if they're going to go out of their way to violate their trust, 
to me, working for me is a once in a lifetime opportunity. It's not worth it for them to break it. Um, and you should look at it the same way. It's really hard for um, anyone to find a job nowadays. And, and if you're an Amazon owner and you're hiring someone, like they need that job. They Think about how many interviews they've gone through to just to get that job. It's not worth it for them the majority of the time. Absolutely. And what people miss about the fraud thing is that, um, like with Chinese suppliers, I mean, because that's more a familiar situation to me, but I mean, uh, they're going to make way, way more money by having a good, honest business relationship with you over time, especially if you're good at what you do and sell a lot of stuff because you'll buy a load from them. They'll make a ton more cash than there would be some crappy little fraudulent um way of doing things, which might make them a few thousand dollars, they'll get kicked off Alibaba or whatever platform they're on. And then they'll also be, you know, having to hide their tracks. And, you know, I think like the old phrase, crime doesn't pay compared to good business. It's just very, it's a pragmatic decision, right? Not even a moral one, I think at the end of the day. Agreed. And I mean, the bigger your company gets, the more people are going to try to scam you. I've, ha I've had people sign up as like fake clients on free up and stuff like that. And we catch them and usually we don't lose money here and there. We will. And we learn from it and we make it better. And that's really all you do as a business owner. You're going to, you're going to get a lot of opportunities that are too good to be true. It's your job to minimize risk to the best of your ability. Absolutely.